Well, hello, everybody. So great to see you all. I, we actually can see all of your faces so close, so that's really great and different. <laughs> um, before we get started, I just wanted to make a few announcements as normal, um, different kinds of announcements, of course. But, um, hopefully all of you have seen the emails that have gone out with the links to just being connected to New Life in this time. Um, we've been doing the Wednesday worship nights, so you can get access to them through or on Facebook. And then, yeah, so Wednesday worship nights, you can access at downtownlive.org or on Facebook or the Sunday at 9 or 11. Hopefully you've already gotten info about that. And then we're going to plan to meet on Zoom like this. If it works, it seems like it's working and it's going to work. It'll we'll be able to break out into discussion groups here in a little while and still be able to talk with each other. Um, but we're going to try to meet together on Zoom um, on our normal dates. So after this, it would be April 16th, April 30th, and May 7th. And um, Sarah and I will be coming up with some topics for the next couple weeks. And then Lori Duncan is still going to get on Zoom with us and um, give us her talk on the last, um, on May 7th. So, and please, we just want you to know that if there's anything that you need, truly, seriously, please feel free to reach out to Sarah or I or Janelle, um, whether that's you want to talk or there's a difficult situation at home. I know that all being together with you and if you're married, your spouse and your kids, it can be just very anxiety producing or very much a struggle or just difficult. So we just want you to reach out to us, reach out to us with any a practical or physical need or um, emotional need, we, we want to talk with you. So, Sarah, do you have anything to add to that? Um, no, yeah, I, I am looking forward to our talk today and talking about all these ways to connect with your child's heart, but we, we know that statistically speaking, there's some people facing some really serious situations at their houses right now, so you can't shock us, call us, email us, um, reach out if you need help. So everybody knows Holly, of course, and loves Holly. And she is the pastor of Parenting Ministries at New Life Downtown. So we're going to talk about connecting with your child's heart today. And I'm really excited um, for this discussion. And it comes at a perfect time. Um, but let's let's start by praying, um, guys, and just open this time in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much um, that we are your children and um, our, our love that we receive from you, we can um, just pour out to our children. Um, thank you that even in all of the midst, midst of all of this, we can remember that um, you, you love us even more than we love our kids. And we can trust you through um, the turmoil in the world, come what may. Um, I pray that you will uh, help us to get a fresh breath and fresh ideas today with Holly's talk and um, that you'll give us the strength to implement some of these ideas and the inspiration, Lord, in your name. Amen. Okay, so Holly, talk to us uh, first about why this is so timely in this crazy time that we're living through. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because I was planning to talk in April about connecting with your child's heart. And so I think all of us, if, if we weren't thinking about that before, we might be thinking about it now with being with our kids 
maybe for some of you, it might be normal. It might be maybe your schedule and your rhythms are as normal for others of you. Maybe your kids are now home from school and you're really trying to figure out how is this going to work? How are we going to have a sustainable rhythm where we're all not driving each other crazy or stepping on each other's toes in this time? So it's interesting. We were going to talk about that anyway, but now we have kind of a a new interesting situation that we're all kind of navigating. And then in the midst of figuring out how to, how to do these rhythms with family and um, being in the stay at home order, I think that at least for me, what's, I kind of go back and forth between, okay, focusing and being present on being home. And then also just this heavy weight that we're all caring of what's happening with so many other people, what's happening, you know, whether other people are sick or they're dying. And so it's like this, it's a crisis going on outside of our homes. So I fluctuate between that tension of wanting to, to engage in that and be prayerful and also just having to kind of keep things going at home. And then also I think, we think we could feel this pressure of, you know, there's so much out there on social media or online saying, okay, we have this, you know, this could be the most special moments and time of your, of your child's childhood. So we right. have to do everything we can to make this the most special and, um, you know, all these memories that we want to make. And so it could feel almost like a time of great pressure on, on one side of the spectrum. Then on the other side of the spectrum, we could just sort of tune out and just become slothful or like, whatever, I don't care. I can't deal with this. And I just want to watch Netflix. And I think we just, we want to, not that we aren't going to, I am watching more movies, <laughs> so I know that. but we want to try to find some kind of a holy space in the moment, I think, to mm-hmm. where we're asking God, okay, Lord, for me and my family, how would you have me navigate this season that we're in? How, what would you have for us for this time? Is it maybe leaning into relationship with your spouse a little bit more or um, yeah. maybe a specific child or maybe there's, maybe there's a couple of things that you want us to really engage in in this season for our family? That's so, that's so great. And I, I have felt myself on that roller coaster of like, this is so fun. We're having spirit week and homeschool and every day is themed. And then like yesterday, only Clint and I dressed up for spirit week. The girls were like, oh, job, Sarah. <laughs> and, but my, can, I found that my quarantine goals are starting to conflict. Like I want to get in the best shape of my life. And then I also want to learn how to like frost things really well. Yep. So I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, so since our main goal in parenting is to disciple our kids in a way that they would love God and love others, um, how do we do this in a way, um, that deeply connects us to our children's hearts? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that we do talk about that a lot in our group about kind of the main goal of parenting. I think, you know, we talk about how, um, I think the scripture that always comes to mind for me is Luke 10, 27, and I'll read it to you. It's, you must love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your being, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So that's, that's always what we want to have at the forefront of our minds and still in this season um, with our kids and being around them all the time. But I think one question we can ask ourselves is, what does my child really want? And maybe we can just make it particular to this season that God has created us all to be relational. Um, And yet I think, especially when our kids are little, we spend so much time doing, 
for them, right? Yeah. When they're really little, we're doing everything for them. As they get older, we're getting more into this mode of training, of thinking, okay, what do I need to be teaching them now? What can I pass off to them? And and those things are so important. Mm-hmm. Um, to you know, our goal ultimately is for them to be independent and be on their own. But I think. And when we're thinking about their hearts, we're thinking about what does my child really want from me? And I think the couple things that come to my mind is one that they just really want to be with us. And I think we all really know that, especially if they're little, if they're always climbing into our laps or clinging to our legs. Um, But they, um, you know, they don't obviously don't care as much about the training part. We know that's important, but they just, they want to be with us. They want to be around us. They want to be seen by us. They want to be known. They want to be understood. And I think with so much to get done as moms, sometimes that's, that can be really challenging that we're always thinking about our to-do list or what needs to be done. Or, you know, I, I, I sometimes feel like I'm just constantly being interrupted, even with older kids, because they want to talk and, and I love doing that, but it's just hard to balance that back and forth, um, of them just wanting to be seen and to be known. But I think if we keep that at the forefront of our minds, um, that will lead us and guide us into having that really, really strong relationship with them as the years go on. Yeah. Something, something that I've noticed during this whole thing is like, I'm, my kids are crafting, like their life depends on it and they're making crafts out of our craft supplies and digging things out of the closet and even the trash. I'm like, Oh, you made that (laughs) box. But they can't hear me. Um, But it's like, I, I have to check myself sometimes and remember, like, this is about connecting, like this this wanting to be seen and, and this is their creation that they want to show me and connect with me and stopping what I'm doing and acknowledging that. So that's really good to remember. Um, So, okay. I'm sure that that looks different in the various ages and stages of our kids development. Can you talk about kind of like by stages, what that looks like. Yeah, I think, I mean, when they're really, really little and of course when they're babies, they're crying and they're asking for our attention, whether that's to be fed or to be um, picked up and comforted. I think sometimes we can minimize um, that even or think, oh, that's not that, that big of a deal or do, you know, maybe they're just crying to get attention or, but, but if they are, then I think that's okay. That yeah. we're really planting those seeds for a relationship. Every time we pick a baby up, every time we um, change their diaper, every time we do, you know, all those kind of things. Um, and maybe with your toddlers, they're just wanting to really be by you to sit with you. I remember when I was um, nursing my now 13 year old and um, I had my older daughter would be sitting, just want to sit right beside me all the time. And I just remember feeling like, can you just like move away from me a little bit everybody wants to be right there um but I think that God has really created that relationship to be dependent that it's not meant to be like okay you're now 18 months go off and do your own thing be your own person but really they're they're wanting that connection and comfort and sometimes it feels overwhelming to us as moms and sometimes it feels like it's too much but I really think that God's created it to be that way. And then in due time, they will become more independent. I think as kids get older, um, like with my older girls now, they just, they really just want to talk. They want to process how they're feeling about things, what's going on. And 
depending on their personalities, you know, maybe some more than others, some you might have to draw out a bit more, but I think, I think I thought I wouldn't be tired in this phase of life and it's different. I mean, I, I can, I can, I'm not as tired. I can get more sleep, but there are still the, like my, my older kids are still, you know, coming in my room at night wanting to talk about things or, you know, I'm going down to just grab something before I go to sleep and someone's crying and wants to process something. And so it's so wonderful. And I've been waiting for this stage, right? But it, it still is a choice to say, okay, I'm going to set down what I was going to do. Or yeah, like I really want to go read my book in my bed right now. (laughs) I'm going to choose to give some space to this. So it's, it doesn't really change, change in the sense of time that we give or the discipline of that sometimes. But, um, it just changes in kind of how, how that looks, I think, for each season. I wanted to go back for just a second to the, the like claustrophobic feeling of like nursing and having another toddler crawling on top of you. Yeah. Um, you since you're past that phase now, what do you think are some good like strategies for kind of like getting back in the right mindset, getting like back where you want to be? like feeling, what do you think? Like, obviously like praying for, for peace and, and patience and stuff. Do you have any other like strategies that people could employ? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, if, if your spouse is coming home at certain times or if it's now and you maybe your if your spouse is working from home, maybe just saying, okay, you know, by the time it gets to this time of the day, I really need a break. I mean, I do remember times of just like literally handing and being like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going I out the door attitude until this time. And then, and yeah. then I just different. need to have some yeah. space. Um, and I know I've different counselors have shared with me just, you know, whatever that negative feeling, or if you're just feeling overwhelmed or anxious or negative or like, Oh, I've given my all I've sacrificed myself for this amount of time, mm-hmm. but now I just, I need to have the space to go and pray or be with the Lord or journal fill or, up somehow. Yeah, yeah. Fill up. Maybe that's just going and walking or running or whatever it is that can sort of get that, that stress out of you and, um, or cause maybe it's, yeah, something physical to get that out. Maybe it's just being in a quiet, peaceful space so that you can come back in and feel like, okay, I have something to give because when we feel completely spent, then I think we're just more on edge. We're not getting enough sleep. We're not, you know, getting what we need, eating well, drinking water, all the things, right. Then we can just easily become more edgy and snappy. And I, I mean, I'm still have that even now it never goes away. Um, but I think it, it is a different stage though, to always have someone physically on you. or grabbing at you or, you know, and yeah. as much as you want to do that and you want to meet those needs, there comes a point when, you can just feel overwhelmed by it. You're okay. feeling more drained rather than feeling like I'm spending my life for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. So, so talk to me about like expecting um, certain outcomes for your child. Like you're connecting with their heart. You're working hard to do that. Talk to me about like what we should, what we should be thinking in our mindset as far as like why we're doing that. Yeah, I think it's a good question to ask because I think sometimes maybe maybe subconsciously, or I don't know how much we actively think about this, but we might think, okay, 
or might just expect from the Lord, Lord, if I'm giving my life for my family, for my kids, I believe I'm called to motherhood and whatever that looks like for my family, I'm giving out, I'm doing everything I know to do. I almost a little, it can become a little formulaic, right? Like, Lord, if I do this and this and this, then I kind of maybe subconsciously in the back of my mind expect that you're going to come through for me, that my kids are going to, um, you know, all get amazing SAT scores and go to the best colleges and get the best jobs and all of that kind of thing. And in a sense, it's sometimes we may not realize it till it comes to that of if something happens, like, oh, I, Lord, I sort of thought you were going to take care of this for me. Look at what I've done. Look how much I've sacrificed my life and given to you. But I think what the Lord's actually asking of us is that we, we love our kid, we love him and we love um, our kids. Like, the scripture we were talking about early, earlier with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, but there's nothing in there that says about, and then the Lord will, you know, fulfill my, my deepest wishes for them. So we can't, we don't want to do it because we expect an outcome or that we think that we can control them. We, we want to love them and serve them and know them with kind of our hands releasing from their grasp. And it's a lot easier to say that than to do that. And I know for me, for all of us, um, we're going to have, you know, continued seasons so for that to be tested and continued times where we're going to have to say, okay, Lord, this might not have been what, what I would have chosen for my child, but um, I believe you're calling me to love them and walk with them beside that. And I know some of you seasoned moms there that I am seeing Denise and, you know, thinking about Sue and, you know, so many of you seasoned moms, you, you know, this, you know, what it's like to, to raise your kids and launch them and let them go. And it's, it's not all perfect and we all have, we have no idea what's coming for all of us with our kids. Um, but I think I'm just constantly asking the Lord even now, like, Lord, help me to, to release them now. Like you've given me these kids for this season, but ultimately they're yours. And I want to steward this journey in this time well. Um, so help me not hold on too tightly now. Help me to, to release them to you even now. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, just I I maybe have started to experience that on a different level than I had before with being a foster parent right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing that this child that I'm caring for and pouring into is not my is not my child, and I'm just like stewarding the time that I have with them. And I remember saying that to somebody, maybe somebody at mom's group, and they're like, "Well, that's like all of our kids. They're not. They're not." really ours. They're gods. And we're just stewarding this time. And that's been really powerful for me to think about how, how, um, just caring for someone else's child, um, makes me think about how I like have not necessarily like made that connection of like, this is, this is my like love and devotion that I'm pouring into you. But really ultimately like your gods. And so anyway, I feel like I'm learning that on a new level right now. So, so, um, if, if our children can sense that we're kind of like not having that attitude of, um, just loving them unconditionally and stuff. Um, I know that you've said like that could kind of create a wedge in our relationship. Um, so, so what are some ways that we can connect with their hearts without, without doing that? I think actually this might be like an, a response that might be kind of out of the box, but 
Um, I think one of the first things that we can actually do is to work on ourselves. And it might seem counterintuitive. I think when we think of connecting with our kids' thought or hearts, we think of always looking at them and looking outward and figuring out who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that when we um, work to really understand ourselves, we work to understand ourselves and kind of figure out what my family history and what like what things make me anxious. Yeah. Um, what makes me reactive? Um, I think the more that we really work on ourselves, we can bring your presence to our relationship with our kids. Um, and then we really, because we really can't help our kids figure out who they are and understand them if we don't really understand ourselves first, right? Yeah. And so I think the more that we can, you know, and even in that, maybe we have more time to actually do that in this season. For some of you might be thinking, Holly, no, actually I have less time. I never <laughs> have a second to myself, but just depending on your kids' ages, I think maybe if your kids are a little bit older, you have figured out some rhythm to be able to have some space for yourself. Um, that I think that, you know, we can continue to work on ourselves, continue to ask God to reveal the things deep in our heart, the things that kind of trigger us to being anxious or angry, things like that. Um, we can offer that to our kids. Okay. So talk about um, creating a secure attachment with your child. Um, just talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So like after of- you're doing the work on yourself, like then looking at your child and yeah. So I think that, I, I think really it starts in the beginning. And so I've just loved all the research and learning about attachment. There's so much there, but I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about um, just not underestimating, like responding to our kids when they're crying. Um, when we respond fairly quickly that and consistently with little ones, especially with babies, that they just have this inner sense and this knowing that we're going to respond versus if we leave them crying for a long time and then kind of they're, it kind of creates this anxiety in them to where they're not really sure, like, so are you going to respond this time or how long is it going to take? And of course, they can be soothed when we do, um, but all the things we do, like picking them up quickly, staring in their eyes, um, cuddling them, talking to them, um, meeting their needs, being consistent, all of those things create this secure attachment versus maybe like an anxious kind of attachment where they're never really sure, or if we're always looking at our phone when we're with them, they're sort of not sure, are Are you focused on me? Are you with me? Um, and I think you know, for a lot of us, the the screen thing is probably one of the biggest inhibitors to being consistent. And so it's something we all have to kind of figure out, how are we going to navigate that? Um, But I think research is showing that, that even babies and little ones have this, this sense when we're just not really paying attention to them and not focused on them. Um, And there's research that talks about implicit memories. And so what that means is, is that we really store all those memories from the time we're babies in our bodies and our minds of, of how our parents responded to us. So I don't know if when you think about your parents, you think about your background, do you ever wonder like, I have this sort of feeling about my parents or I have this kind of sense, but I don't, I don't really have any specific memories to back that up. I don't really know why I have that feeling, but it's, it's really likely that 
just whatever sort of things happened as you were little, maybe these implicit memories before you could actually consciously tell me, Holly, I had this memory when I was, you know, maybe, maybe your first memory is three, four or five, something like that. But we stored a lot of memories before that. And there's so many things we can't remember. Right. So all those things do shape us. So I think sometimes we can think, oh, it doesn't matter that much when our kids are really little because they're not going to remember anyway. But but we do remember, even if we can't articulate it. So I think it just kind of adds to the importance of that. Talk about um, becoming a student of your child. I feel like you're really good at this, and we kind of touched on this last time um, in our podcast. But talk to me about how you've done that with your kids. Yeah, I think, I mean, having four kids and some of you have even, you know, more kids than that. So you, you know that what it's like to, to, to think, to recognize all of my kids are so different. None of them are the same. I can't have one way of connecting with, you know, all of them that works, which I often thought that would be a lot easier, right? If we could kind of figure it out or try it out and then think, okay, I can do all these same things with every child. (laughs) That's right. Um, I think it's helpful to ask the question, you know, is my child introverted? Is my child extroverted? Are they steady or calm or assertive? Or are they one that would throw out all their feelings and thoughts? Or do they kind of hold those things closer? And maybe you have to work a little bit harder um, or asking questions like, what, what motivates my child? Um, what is my child afraid of? Things like that. Um, just really, instead of just kind of, I think we can just kind of coexist um, and kind of just get things done, but really paying attention to those kinds of things and getting takes getting outside of ourselves and not thinking about, well, how, you know, if I do it this way, or if I think this way, then this must be how my child processes it. And I think I was hung up in that for a long time, just like, well, if, if, if anyone, or if my child does this, then this is what it means. Mm-hmm. Or if they say this, this is what they're trying to communicate. And just because I would say something or interpret something a certain way doesn't mean that they do. So really just studying, studying them, um, watching how they respond, asking questions to try to figure out what's really going on inside of them. And then maybe asking when is a good time to talk to this child? Maybe for some kids, it's any time. They always want to talk to you. And mm-hmm. for some kids, it might be really watching. Um, for one of my girls, I noticed that when she exerted a lot of physical activity, like after she'd come, you know, inside from doing that, or she'd come from like a physical activity, she would just be all bubbly and wanting to talk. So something about like releasing stress or having energy from Mm -hmm. that created this space. And I knew I should always be a good time to process with her then. So just sort of trying to kind of watch out, out for those things and then kind of looking at what kind of things, do they like, um, but so that we can engage in, in the things that they're interested in. I mean, there's, there's definitely like, I, as you guys know, I love reading with my kids. So if anybody wants to read, I love reading aloud to them and talking about books and stories, but there are other things that my kids want to do that I'm just not as excited about, but, you know, trying to just respond and say, okay, I'll play with you with your dollhouse for 10 minutes. Um, we, we played dollhouse for a long time the other day with, we hadn't had it out for a while. And Jane's thinking of all the things she can get out now, which is so great. Um, but I'm like, okay, I can only do dollhouse and animals for, you know, so long, but I'm going to say yes. And then, (laughs) so there might be things that we don't really want to do, but we, we watch our kids and we see 
them come alive when we engage with them and the things that they're interested in. Yeah. I, I got to the part of my quarantine the other day where my kids found the glitter and oh. I was like, so excited. <laughs> but, um, I think you, you said this last time and I think it's worth repeating, um, because we're going to list a bunch of ideas on ways like practical ways to connect with your child's heart later. Um, but what you said last time about um, getting in bed at night and thinking about each child and where they're at. And I think right now when our kids can sense that there's a heightened like hypervigilance in the adults, or there's this um, like kind of a fear around everybody. Um, I think your strategy of thinking about each child and how they're processing the world right now is really good. And if you, if you don't do all the, all the crafts and all the educational games and read all of the series, I still think that would be really valuable for us all to just think how are our kids processing? Because I feel like the Lord will give us ideas of ways to help our kids through this. Um, because we're the parents that he chose for them. So I loved that when you said that last time, I thought we should talk about it that one more time. What are some ideas of like reading to your kids or whatever? What have you been doing lately? Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you might imagine for us more reading, um, just picking up, we've been reading um, one of the little house books, little house on the prairie. And this was one that I think often my kids will say, I'll pick something out or say, let's read this. And they'll say, Oh no, mom, that's going to be boring. Or, um, you know, they'll think, you know, but they often are judging it by, I'm not sure by what they don't really know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I've just asked them to trust me like, okay, this is, this is going to be good. And there's going to be things that they're going to learn about and be interested in and different processes of, you know, an older day. And so that's been really fun to just have more space and not feeling like, okay, we've got, we've just more space has opened up in the day. So I think it can be a little bit more leisurely in this totally. season. Um, I noticed that my, my, I, I am saying like, I, how often I used to say like, hurry up, we got to go. We're leaving. We have to leave in five minutes. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that anymore. We have endless <laughs> amounts of time. <laughs> yes. Um, we've also been doing a lot of board games. Um, so we can send out some of those, but um, some of the ones we've been doing most often are um, car, actually a card game, Dutch Blitz. I don't know if any of you. Oh, I love Dutch Blitz. Yeah. So I, we actually hadn't played it much before, but um my kids wanted me to play it with me and they schooled me. They, I was so terrible. I'm so slow. And, but I have to say it's been probably good for my brain. I'm, I'm speeding up. I occasionally win once in a while now. Um, and we've been doing, um, rummy cube and sequence are a couple oh, of fun. Yeah. And ticket to ride is one that's, for like a little bit of older kids. Um, so I encourage you to pull any of these games out if you have them, or I don't know how quickly things can get delivered, but it might be fun to try a new game. And, um, Oh, another one that actually probably the most, the one that Jonas and Jane are playing the most is labyrinth. So it's kind of a maze game. Um, our cousins recommended that to us in the past year. And I mean, they play that every day and they've gotten here again, they play it so much. They've gotten so good at it that you know, Jane will be like, mom, um, do you want me to help you? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
like she'll see the exact link of how I can get from, you know, my home spot to like this treasure where I need to go. Oh my gosh. She just sees it. I'm like, wow, this is pretty amazing. So she's, she's, yeah, keeping me alert and um, my brain connecting in ways it wouldn't have otherwise. So oh that's my gosh. Fun. one game that my kids played a lot in preschool is called Zingo. And I think you have that one, Sarah. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's based, it's just like it's, you might imagine. It's like bingo, but um, you can, there's a bunch of different boards that you can use and it has a little um, like storage spot where the cards come out. And so if you have it, you know, you put your spot down, but it's just, what I loved about it is it's something simple that kids can really, I mean, your girls could play it, Sarah, on their own, you know, yeah. little, little ones can really play it with a sibling or they can play it by themselves. Actually, they can just, the piece comes out and they see if they have it and then they, Put the yeah. independent play games are gold right yeah. now because yeah. I, I am spending a lot of time like with, with my kids and doing stuff with them, but there's like, you know, they're awake for like 14 hours a day. So <laughs> I, can't, I can't be doing something all about 14 hours. So that's great. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask you um, if, so if you're trying a lot of these things and it doesn't seem like you're really like, connecting with your child I mean these are all like fun things but the whole like purpose the the deeper purpose is connecting with their heart um what do you say to moms who are struggling with that um I, th I think there I mean it might be a moment to just ask if yeah if you just feel like I'm trying and nothing's really working or you know these things seem great if your child's open to you but what if what if you feel like yeah there's been a wedge created or um you just, you're trying to figure out what's going on here. I think one of the things that I've realized is that when I'm trying to overly control them, and maybe that is even more of a temptation when we're all home together, if I'm just trying to get them to do this or get them to do that or telling them no, or, you know, and I think that I feel like it's gotten harder with everybody being home all the time and there, there's no space. And so, um, that I think if they're feeling controlled and they're not feeling seen that, mm -hmm. Maybe it's just, maybe it's an indicator to us. Okay, maybe we need to take a step back and um, let a little more freedom reign or to maybe try to pull them aside and say, hey, what's going on? And for them to really see that you're not just trying to get tasks accomplished through the day or get things to go your way or have your agenda, but that you're really seeing them. And if, if this is newer to have those kind of conversations, I would just encourage you to be patient. It might just take a while for them to really see and believe that, um, that you're wanting to come alongside them. And then I think also if they have this sense that, um, that maybe there's only one way of thinking about things. And this, this would have to do with maybe older kids. But I think what we want to be really careful with as parents is that we're not just trying to tell them everything that's right and everything that we think how life should go. Or and maybe right now that's what the government's saying or what you're hearing on the news. Or But just I think without realizing it, sometimes we can indoctrinate them to our beliefs and just be saying, you yeah. know, this is the way life is and this is what the Bible says. And I think it might feel like it's working and they're getting it and taking it in as little kids. But as they get older, if they're not 
able to ask questions and push back on you and yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I think I agree with that. If they're not able to have that dialogue, then that does create this sense of a wedge or a barrier between you versus if you kind of just, even if you don't agree, maybe you think they have really poor logic and you don't, you know, you mm-hmm. think that they're going the right way. If you give them the space to process, um, mm-hmm. if you are an open person who can, you know, maybe they're, they might think things that they'll change next week, but if they really believe, I think, you know, mom really wants to hear me. She wants to have this dialogue with me that that will carry you far and into adulthood with them into having this open and trusting and loving relationship. That's so good. It's the harder thing is to teach them how to think and how to reason. And, but if you create that culture, that's like what you want of your kids being able to, you're the safe place. Mm-hmm. to ask questions and to, to question and think through things. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I'm overwhelmed by all of the options of things to do right now with kids <laughs> during the quarantine. Is anybody else like, I'm, I'm like drinking out of a fire hose here and you know, I'm on Pinterest guys. And I'm, seeing, <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling with having like way too many ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any advice for people that are just trying to figure out, like, I mean, I feel like people are respond differently to this and there's not really a right way to respond. I think the, the main goal is to have your family um, emotionally healthy and peace reigning in your house and um, some kind of order. But, but do you have advice for people like as they're trying to feel their way through setting up a, a, rhythm. I mean, even for homeschool families, like you've said, this is still super different. Um, it's not like you're quarantine homeschool usually. So what, what do you think? Talk to me. Yeah, I, yeah, it is just to affirm what you're saying. It is really, it is different for a lot of people and trying to navigate that. And I think I would say to limit your time first, just on any social media or online so that you're not feeling like, I mean, I, I've been trying to do it as well. <laughs> like I might scroll and just see, oh, this person's video that like everybody has something to say right now in this time. Yeah. And of course we, you know, it's, that's for a reason. And we, we want that. We need that encouragement. I would just encourage you to be selective about those voices. And maybe it's a couple people that you're following. Um, or maybe it's a time limit of, I'm only going to engage in outside stuff for a certain amount of time a day. Or maybe it's, a couple, you, you're maybe you're on Pinterest, Sarah, and you're like, okay, these yeah. things. I'm like, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. So, yeah, like pick oh, one good. or two things. I like, think just make it simple. <laughs> one or two things that you're like, okay, I'm gonna like for us. We the one online thing we're doing is Jane's been doing the Mo Willems Illustrator. Oh yeah, uh, I saw too. that. Um, that's something else I want to try. And she needs, you know, she <laughs> can get on and do that for thirty minutes or something, but. Um, I think just keep it simple, pick a couple new things. Otherwise you might feel overwhelmed and just want to go and watch Netflix and be like, I'm throwing the towel in. I don't want to do any of this creative stuff. Um, I would say though, getting outside every day, I think is probably one thing um, that would be good for all of us, right? To get some sunshine when it's there. I think for me, for our family, I notice a significant difference in myself and how I feel when I'm walking, when I'm getting outside versus just the constant staying indoors all the time. We all need that fresh air and sun and vitamin D 
And so that would be one thing I would encourage. Totally. I, that has been a real difference for me in my mood. There's been some days where I haven't gone outside, mm-hmm. um, but most of the time, and that's like feels really dark. Um, but I've gotten into kind of a pattern of like, um, when my husband's done with work, he's working from home. Um, he stays with the older two and I take the baby on a walk and call a friend or a family member and catch up for an hour. And then I come back feeling so much better. I'm not sure if everybody else is doing that, but, um, taking my kids on a walk is not as refreshing. I do do that, but I don't count that as like my refreshing Mm-hmm. Thing because I'm like corralling people the whole time and it's not like restorative. It's fun for them. And I'm glad we're doing it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Well, okay. we want to wrap up now so that we can break up into groups and just kind of talk about this topic and feel free to share how you're feeling in this season of being um, in your home. Glenn is going to step in here and help me get these breakout groups going. We've got, you know, 